May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I have a friend from the UK who um, struggled for a long time with uh, depression. A few years ago, he got to the point where he decided he could no longer live with the darkness that was inside of him and that he was going to end his own life. But he didn't want his wife or his children to find him. And so he decided to fly from his home to um, a, a faraway place, Malta. If you don't know where Malta is, it's, uh, it's near Sicily in the, in the Mediterranean Sea, uh, an island there, small republic. He chose the spot because he and his wife had been there several times on a holiday, and it was a special place to him. And, and he knew nowhere else he could go so far away and, and not be found. And, um, and he, he got on a plane and um, got from the plane and boarded a ferry and was on the ferry. And he told me um, that, uh, that the last thing he did before he left was a very simple prayer. He said, I prayed this, God, if I'm not going to do this, you'll have to stop me. So he's on the ferry in Malta. And a man comes and sits down next to him and begins to talk to him and and my friend said it was the last thing in the world. He did not want to talk to anybody, let alone a complete stranger. But he also didn't want to be rude. I mean, <laughs> good upbringing. And so he's, uh, he's talking to this fellow and did a little bit of small talk, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And fielded a few questions, lobbed a few back his way. And he said, last thing I asked him was, so what brings you to Malta? Are you here on holiday? And the man says, you're going to think this is really odd. He said, every year I take one week of vacation and I sort of throw a dart at the map. And I just go to that place looking for ways that God is going to use me. And he said, when I decided, when I chose Malta, when the dart hit Malta, he said, is the Lord says to me, you need to go there to save someone's life. And my friend began to cry, and he said, I would be that man. And he was stunned. <laughs> he was uh he was stunned by the sheer providence of God. Preachers, Bible teachers love to use this word providence. If you looked at it, like I looked at it on a piece of paper, you would see that the word provide is right there in the word itself. And it, it, it really describes the protective care of God for, for people. But it goes further than that. It's more about God's provision, his supply, his ability to furnish and to give to people the things that they need. It, it, providence covers a vast array of things. It's, it's the, the big ecosystem of the world, you know, and, and the elements of the universe and all of that. And then humanity and all the ways in which human beings sort of live their lives and go about their days. It, 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 providence is, is at work in government and infrastructure and sustenance. It's, it's, it's even more intricate than that. It's, it's the way that, that human beings relate to the animal world and, and, and insects to machines and all of these. It's all of the millions upon millions upon millions, you know, to the infinitesimal power of possibilities and contingencies and eventualities that God has actually worked them all out. That humans go about their lives under the watchful eye of God, who cares about us and knows what's going on in our everyday. The writer of Proverbs says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will make your paths straight. He will lay out the paths of your life. This is a metaphor, not a literal path, although sometimes they are, that the Lord will guide your way. Providence is sometimes a happy accident that occurs you didn't see coming and is delightful. Sometimes it's maddeningly frustrating. Oh, this shouldn't be happening. This can't be right. Certainly this is wrong. It's when a well-laid plan just gets destroyed to pieces and you think, no, this can't be right. Where is God when I needed him most? If you were reading this book, this little book, the book of Acts, and you were reading these stories about the earliest Christian missionaries, that's what the book of Acts is, the story of these earliest Christian missionaries, it begins in Jerusalem with, um, with Peter and the, and the others and, and then begins to move out from Jerusalem into Samaria just as Jesus said, you know, go to, to Jerusalem and Judea and then to Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. As the book go, winds along a little bit, we, we discover this fellow Paul. And he becomes the leading character throughout the rest of the book. The Apostle Paul, Saint Paul, we sometimes call him. To his friends and fellow workers, he was just called our brother Paul. This guy who was a, a, a zealous um, Jewish uh, believer who became a, a zealous Jewish Christian believer. He never left his Judaism behind. He believed that this was part of God's one big plan to save the world. He was an impetuous person, Paul was. I don't think, um, I don't think he was reckless. He was headstrong and brilliant and determined. But he's also kind and understanding. He did not suffer fools gladly. And um, as you'll see in just a moment, he's ready to get in somebody's face when he thinks they're wrong. He, he has a, a determination. He's more than that even. He's a strategic thinker. As a, as a missionary, he knows where he wants to go. He knows how he wants to, to engage with the culture when he gets there. He, he's he's a, an amazing plan maker. And he has this plan to take the gospel as far as he can get it. He hopes to get to Spain, which for him in his lifetime would have been the very edge of the world all the way out to Spain. He also was a pastor, though. He, if you read Paul's letters in the New Testament, 13 of them he contributes to the New Testament. These are letters that he writes to churches to help people to grow in their faith. They're not just kind of abstract theology. He's not just talking about God in a vacuum. It's, it's in real life situations. And I tell people, if they're studying Paul's letters, don't forget you're reading somebody else's mail. I mean, this is what you're doing. It's like you sat down at a computer and there was an email that was up there. And the only one you had was that one right here. You didn't get the chain. You just got that one. But somebody's coming and you're looking around here and you're trying to read quickly. You're reading somebody else's mail. And that's what Paul did. He wrote these letters. But when you see Paul in the book of Acts, it's not autobiographical. A fellow called Luke wrote the book of Acts. And he is telling you about Paul from his perspective. He tells you what he sees in Paul, which is something different than Paul sometimes describes as himself. The passage that we have before us today, this little passage from Acts chapter 16, is about the beginnings of Paul's second missionary journey. Well, about the middle part, actually, of his second missionary journey. 
After his first missionary journey, he ended up back in Syria, in, in, in Antioch in Syria. And now he's out for his second missionary journey, and he's taken with him some, some fellows, and, and they're going out together to work. I want to read to you a passage from Acts chapter 15. It's not in your bulletin, and don't bother heading there. I'll, I'll get there quicker. Acts chapter 15, it, it, Luke writes this. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Paul makes this plan. Let's go. Let's go visit all these other churches. Barnabas says, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's take John Mark with us. And Paul says, no. The last time we took John Mark with us, we got into some difficulty, and he turned around and ran and left us to ourselves. I'm not taking him with us this time. And Barnabas and Paul start to go at it a little bit. Barnabas is called son of encouragement. I don't know how you make this guy mad, but Paul seems to get under his skin and there's this, there's this sharp disagreement between them. What I want you to see is Paul's strategic thinking. He knows where he wants to go. He knows who he wants to take with him. Acts chapter 16, beginning of the, of the chapter, Paul also uh, came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. A strategic thinker. He knows where he wants to go, who he wants to take. Somewhere in heaven, Timothy is saying, you bet he's a strategic thinker. I mean, I'm the one that had to undergo surgery because of his thoughts and plans. You know, this is, a, this is not an easy thing. Paul knows what he wants to do. He, he knows where he wants to go. And then just before, just before the passage, I don't know why this isn't in the, in the lectionary reading, but so I can give it to you. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. And they, that is Paul and his entourage, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Two times, in two sentences, the Holy Spirit prevented them. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Paul has a plan. He knows where he wants to go. He knows where he wants to be. He knows who he wants to take with him. But the Holy Spirit says no. He says to his friends, let's go this way. No. Okay, well, let's go around this way. No. I want to know how. Don't you? I want to know how the Holy Spirit forbade him. I mean, it could have been like this internal impulse, you know. Oh, I don't feel right about this. I had a friend who was a parachuter. Oh, Brian used to jump out of planes. I had a friend who was a parachuter, and he said every now and then they would get up to do a jump, and somebody would have this terrible feeling like, I don't want to do this. I don't feel right about this. And he said on more than one occasion you had to give him a shove. You're going. You know, you can't, you can't do that. You have to go. Paul could have had some sort of internal impulse. But I don't think so. These are his plans. He's the one trying. I think it's more likely 
There are soldiers. There are people who are keeping him out because he's stirring trouble everywhere he goes. There are riots that are taking places in cities because the Jews are getting really upset because he's making Jew against Jew here. He goes in and he preaches at the synagogues and half of them people believe and other half don't. And there's a big fight that breaks out. Holy Spirit prevents him. Luke does not tell us how. But he does tell us this. That the Holy Spirit can step in and change an itinerary. He has the power to thwart plans and agendas. You think you know what you're going to... You've heard this, haven't you? The way to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. (laughs) This is not going to... You think you're going to do this. You are not... I thought that was funny. You are not going to do this. I want to go here. No. Let's go here. No. Let's go to bed. And that's what they do. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Vision. Um, Horama in in Greek. It's a visual sighting. He sees this thing. I don't think he's asleep. I think he's wide awake. He sees. There are other words for, for dreams. He sees a man of Macedonia. A Macedonian man. A man from the European continent. The first Christians to go in to the European continent. In this passage right here. Paul, his entourage, Luke's including himself. He's in this group now too. We, us, our, we're going to do this. Heading in to to go to Macedonia. A man saying, come, help us. 